0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 30th of August, 2013. And today we are reading from the big book, and we are in the chapter, How It Works. And we are on page 70, and we are going to start with the second paragraph to sum up. And today's readers are... 12 Steps, Marge, 12 Traditions, Rose, and then Katie G., Kim, Hoodie, and Melanie. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 29th, is 5043, 5043. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. To carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers at a vision for you big book study our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of overeaters anonymous and i will now ask marge to please read the 12 steps
1: thank you monica this is Marge from massachusetts one we admitted we were powerless over food to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters to practice these principles in all our
2: affairs. Thank you. Pass.
0: Thank you, Marge. I will now ask Rose to read the Twelve Traditions.
2: Thank you, Monica. Uh, the twelve traditions, one, our common welfare, <coughs> excuse me, should come first, personal recovery depends upon o a unity two for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern three. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other OA groups as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities pass.
0: Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute, and once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book, and we are in the chapter, How It Works, and we are on page 70, and we are on the second paragraph that begins to sum up about sex. And I will ask Katie G to begin reading, please.
3: Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Boston, Massachusetts. The privilege to be here So and sober this morning on the line. To sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity, and for the strength to do the right thing. If sex is very troublesome, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others we think of their needs and work for them. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield with me in heartache. Amen. Okay, so I got to this part of the work and my sponsor told me some really important things, right? Why are we looking at sex conduct? Because sex conduct can block me from God. Blocking from God, high risk to eat. That's a pretty good reason to look at my sex conduct, right? She, taught, she told me that each ideal, each sex ideal is unique and individual and that there's no judgment and that it's going to be challenged, but I, I'm going to need to pray to God to live up to these ideals. Um, again, the sex conduct can block me out from God and I need the honest desire for God to take me to what he wants, not what I want. Um, so it's telling me, okay, so what do I need to do when I'm, when I'm engaged in uh, sex relations? I need to pray earnestly, seriously, with an intent mental state. I need to pray for the right ideal, right? So do I want to be um, lying to two guys while stringing along a third because I'm afraid that one of them is going to not work out, and if one doesn't work out, then I better have a backup, and if that one doesn't work out, I better have a backup? Is that how God wants me to be? Does God want me to be in a serious relationship with someone who's still legally married? Does God want me to be, or does God want me to be loyal to one person and trust that God, he is sending me who I need, what I need, when I need, for as long as I need it, Um, you know, and for strength to do the right thing. Does God want me to walk away at night when I'm saying goodnight and the person is clearly wanting more? Does God want me to go to bed with that person? You know, these are things that only I can decide with God's help, but I'm telling you what I was able to do is put together a series of ideals and standards that I hold to my heart, and they're not always easy to honor, and why is sex so hard? Because I've heard once that sex affects everything, right? It affects my self-esteem, it affects my security, my ambition, Look, I don't want to go back to my home group and tell them I failed at another relationship. Why? Because my ego. I don't want everybody to know, like, there's something wrong. These are the lies I'm telling myself, right? But if I'm living with God today, the most important thing is that I am treating others with honor, dignity, and grace, that I'm not using them like a Kleenex, you know, that I'm treating them like human beings. And a lot of times my work has been to show up and to say no, has been to show up and say, hey, you know what, you're a month sober and although being in a relationship with you is really exciting to me, I'm going to have to pass. And when he says to me, can we just be friends, and I know that can we just be friends means a whole lot more than just being friends, can I say no? You know, last year at this time, this really captivating guy wanted to just be my friend, and I so wanted to just be his friend. But I knew that just being his friend meant being his friend with benefits, and that was not who God wanted me to be. And I can get so consumed with sex problems. What is my solution? I throw myself the harder into talent helping others. This is my solution over and over again in this book. When I have problems, no matter what, what is the one thing that's going to get me through the highs and lows, the inevitable highs and lows for my life is helping others. I think of their needs and work for others. This takes us out of ourselves. It quiets the imperious urge when to yield would mean heartache, grief, sorrow, more pain. You know, and that's what I do today. You know, I I throw myself harder into helping others because my sex relations brings me so focused on me that all I can focus is me. And when I, all I can focus on is me and I have a sick mind and a sick mind can't heal a sick mind, eventually, pretty quickly, eating is going to be a step up from how I feel. Right? So amazingly, this paragraph, once again, demonstrates very clear directions on how I am supposed to live today. And it is not easy, but let me tell you, it is phenomenal. It is so rewarding to live in this world and to be able to look at others and to have normal sex conduct and not have questions about who I slept with and when I slept with them and to really see, especially men, as, you know, my equal counterparts in this world, you know, and not as objectifying them and to know my role and most importantly to know my primary purpose, which, again, is to throw myself harder into helping others. So if you're new and you're... You're not knowing what this is about. This is about getting relieved from the bondage of self, which is the core of this addiction. It is the core. And um, if you're doing this work, please contact me anytime. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you. All the best.
0: Thank you, Katie. Would anyone would anyone like to comment on this paragraph?
2: Rose. Rose, go ahead, Rose. Thank you, Monica. This is Rose, Grateful Recovered, Compulsive Overreader in New York. And um there's two words here that I really that really speak to me and it says to sum up about sex, we earnestly and every time I see the word earnestly here in the big book, I always pause on it because it's used in such a way that it has always grabbed my attention. I never really knew what it meant and I found out that earnestly um its definition means serious and intense and it also means in a determined manner and it says we earnestly pray, not just we pray, it's like really standing out. We earnestly pray for the right ideal, which is this is the sex prayer I was given to say after my um sex inventory and each incident in my own um, inventory, we earnestly pray for the right ideal and for guidance in each questionable situation, uh, telling me to pray for sanity and telling me to pray for the strength to do the right thing. And um, the other word in this sentence for me is Pray because um, it's used a lot, again, in these first 164 pages. And when we get up to page 85, right at the very bottom, um, it's, of course, talking about step 11, but it says, We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly, constantly, like all the time. It works if if we have the proper attitude and work at it. And I particularly have that sentence um, highlighted for myself because it was saying that prayer isn't something that just rolls off my tongue and comes to my mind when I'm in a jam, although it does come to my mind when I'm in a jam. But um, again, the words and the wisdom and God's hand behind this whole book, we work at prayer. It's, it's a thing, and as it, it says here, we earnestly pray. So it's, it's expressing to me, this is something not only do I have to do, but I need to acquire the habit of working at this. It just doesn't um, automatically come when I'm in a tight situation to remember, this is what I need to do in this situ- situation, especially about sex especially about this very um, oh, important uh, uh, behavior and action and, and that we're, I am instructed to pray for this right ideal and, um, and for the sanity around it and for the strength. And then, like Katie said, it goes on to say, what do we do if it is especially troublesome? Um, I, too, can witness that this paragraph works like nothing else in my life ever did work, and it it continues to do so. Thank you, Monica. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Rose. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? Star 1 to unmute. any other comments on this paragraph this morning okay well this is monica and i'll jump in here for a moment then so in this paragraph to sum up about sex right off the bat i'm seeing a prayer here we earnestly pray for the right ideal you know ideal a vision of goodness a standard a goal for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity and for the strength to do the right thing. So there's a prayer for me if I'm having issues. And we have all kinds of prayers throughout this whole book. And and it's telling me to do this. This gives giving me something concrete to do when, my, when the monkeys are chattering in my brain here, you know. Do something else besides what I used to do. Change. Say some prayers. Ask God for help here. And the other thing it's telling me is to to be of help to somebody else. Monica, get out of yourself. Pick up the phone and say hi to somebody. Do something else for somebody today. And when we do these type of actions, it takes us out of ourselves and um, makes the urges go away, you know. And so we've gotten, here we are in How It Works and we're getting towards the end here of the four-step inventory. And we've been doing all this writing and we've looked at all these things. You know, our resentments, our, how we were selfish, dishonest, our self-seeking actions, our fears. And now we're doing the sex. We're really doing a good job here of going throughout our house and cleaning all those nooks and crannies. Because it's all this stuff that we've had hidden in our house that causes us to be restless, irritable and discontented. And we all know what our default mechanism is and when we're restless, irritable and discontented. It's been food. And now we're 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 being given different glasses by God when we're doing all this writing and seeing. You know, there's something else you can do here, Monica. And with that I'll pass and would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph it's before Good morning, Irini. Go ahead.
4: Thank you, Monica. Well, today you you said everything that I wanted to say. Um, Good morning, my spiritual fellows. My name is Irini, gratefully recovered. Thank you, God. So here are the answers once again. What's the answer? And that is to pray. And it's a sex prayer. We pray for strength and to ask for the right thought that would lead us to the right action, and that would lead us to doing the right thing, and that is to be able to shift from our needs to other people's needs. And we want to move away from, you know, our old patterns of being selfish and our relationships and dive into the needs of others. And and we need to practice this new way of living. And by practicing, we grow and then we blossom into what God would have us be. And... um, but we, I always say we have to be very careful what we practice for what we practice, we become good at. So practicing to get out of my way, out of my darkness, then, you know, it unblocks me from the light of the Spirit. Then I'm i then able to be guided by that light of knowledge, that light of love to reach out and help others and um, to shift in attitude. And, um, and then we can turn our experiences into assets.
0: Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you, Edini. Would anyone else like to comment before we move on?
5: This is Sharon. Go ahead, Sharon. Thank you, Monica, and thank you for everyone out on the line. Um, A couple things that I uh, see here is on the paragraph up above where it talks about uh, we must let God uh, be the final judge. We realize some people are fanatical about sex, as others are loose. So we avoid hysterical thinking or advice. And then down to this paragraph, it gives very specific directions again about how we are come, how we come to um, understand what God's ideal is for us—not anyone else's human idea, but what God's ideal is—and. We certainly have been getting an idea of that through the inventory that we've already done because what I'm seeing is my selfishness, my self-centeredness, wanting my way uh, regardless of whether it will harm others or not. And so um, when we say it says we earnestly pray, what do we pray for? We pray for the right ideal um, and for guidance in each questionable situation. And we pray for sanity, which which we are learning is sound judgment, where, you know, thy will be done, not mine. And we pray for the strength to do the right thing. And then if this sex issue or conduct is still very troublesome, then we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. So there are very specific directions here. And, um... I am seeing so clearly that I certainly did not heed those in the beginning. And uh, there was a price to be paid for that, just like there's a price to be paid when I hold on to anger or when I hold on to jealousy or when I relive situations in my mind and want the outcome to be different in my mind, which is, you know, living in unreality. And um, so I think it's so important that we... We seek God's guidance, and uh, we will also receive some very wise counsel from others. But I, too, must be willing to um, really pray for God. What is your guidance? What is your guidance for me? And um, if we want the right answers that God is directing us to, they will be there. And then we strive to live that ideal just like we strive to be rid of anger, and, um, you know, anger still comes up, so how do we handle it now when it comes up? This, this, uh, instructions in this book have given us very clear guidance how to do that. So um, I had to learn a lot of things the hard way in this program, and so I'm so grateful that today I'm seeing things so differently, and that's only by God's grace. Uh, living in my heart and my mind one at a time, one day at a time, and i 'm willing to listen i 'm willing to follow and i 'm willing to heed and uh, with that, I pass thanks Monica
0: thank you Sharon and let 's move on to the next paragraph
5: and Kim, would
0: you read, please
6: Thanks Monica If we have been thorough about our personal inventory, we have written down a lot. we have listed and analyzed our resentment. We have begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. We have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill towards all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. And good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G. I I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. So as we're beginning to close up this chapter, beginning to close up step four, this is what I've been instructed was the four step promises. Have I been thorough? And I think sometimes what we do is we think thorough means how long we worked on it and how much we wrote. But what thorough really means is have we followed the directions specifically? This should not be a long process. This should not take us a year and a half. I mean, it's two, three weeks is all we need to do to make these lists. So have we followed the directions specifically versus have we overanalyzed every single moment of our lives? So have we begun to comprehend their futility and their brutality? Have we commenced to see the terrible destructiveness? You know, futility means pointless, useless. So what I found for myself is those questions we asked ourselves in 61 for step 3. Because once again, step three is a decision. It is the decision understanding that the self must die, that self is our problem. And as we start this inventory process, which is four through nine, I began to see the questions that were asked on page 61 with a depth and a weight. So let's look at some of them. What is, is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? So I started to see when I was looking at my resentment, my fear, my sex conduct, that I was self-seeking even when I was trying to be kind. Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages well? And I started to see in my inventory that I tried to manage well and thought that would make a difference and all it led to was futility and fatality. Do not his actions, do not my actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Starting to see that I got the ball rolling. Starting to see that it was my decisions that were leading to people hurting me. Starting to understand that my fear was created by self reliance and not God reliance. And is he not, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Starting to see. That my self-will, my self propulsion, constantly colliding with others was what was creating the havoc in my life. That I was the architect of my own misery. So as we finish up this fourth step, can we look at these promises? Do we see? Are we seeing? Are we comprehending? Are we understanding their futility? The futi- what is there? The resentments, the fear, the sex conduct. Have we commenced? Have we begun to see the terrible destructiveness of our resentments, of our fears, of our sex conduct. And if that is true, then we're ready to move to step
1: five. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph?
7: Good morning, this is Bella, can I share? Go ahead, Bella. Good morning, my name is Bella and I'm a compulsive overreader. Wow, I like, first of all, thank you very much for leading this meeting, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Wow, I like this paragraph, and I see a few sentences that really they are empowering me. We read before that we have to to look at our life now from a different angle, and this we start. First of all, we have written down a lot. What means we have written? We before program, we have in the mind all kinds of thoughts, and we think, and we think, and we think, but it's in our mind, and we have an obsession in the mind, so we, we are thinking only from our side, from our pain, so we start to blame. We blame uh, our parents, we blame our teachers, we blame everybody. But now we are willing to see things from a different angle. So we, we wrote down a lot, and as soon as we write down, we, it says we can, we can see. Now it's out of our mind, and we, are, we can see. Now we can see what we can see. We can see that in any relationship there are always two sides, there are other people and we are we too. So we can see what is our job in this relationship and what we can do for, for this relationship. And now that we took out from our mind and we can see them black and white, we can see what is our job and how can we change uh, this relationship. We can see the terrible thing when we start to blame and when we see only the other side and we don't see ourselves. And when we see this list and we are willing To change and we are willing to see things from a different angle, we can be, um, we can look at other people. We can be more patient, we can tolerate more because we can see the other people as sick people and not the people that want to to hurt us and to, to make us to feel the pain. No, those people are sick people, and to see what is my job. And it's a wonderful thing that God is trusting me. God trusts me that I can, I can do a better relationship, and I am willing to, to get the guidance from God. And by this I will pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Bella. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sally. May I share? Sally. Go ahead, Sally.
6: Thank you, Monica. It's Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. Um, When I look at this paragraph, I notice that, um, I'll just take it from the top, if we have been thorough about our personal inventory, we have written down a lot. So we are being called to be thorough as we um, are wrapping up this step four inventory process. We're not being told to be sloppy about it. I wanna be clear about that. And yet, what I see here as I read this paragraph slowly by myself in my own head, it says we have lifted and analyzed our resentments. We have begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. We have commenced, which really indicates making a beginning to see their terrible destructiveness. Again, the word, we have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct, and we are willing to straighten out the past if we can. I um, feel kind of impressed to ask you to join me on page 567 at the bottom of the page which gives us kind of an idea of how long it should take us to go through these steps. And I feel compelled to say this because there are people out there who are taking years to do this step, and there are people who are um, just not making it through the step because of how they're going through the step with their concept of thoroughness. And um, I think a lack of knowledge that we do step four every day As we live in steps 10, 11, and 12, we continue to take personal inventory. But first, let me not get ahead of myself. At the bottom of page 567, in the middle of the last paragraph, it says, he finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months It's sort of, you know, it's subjective. What is a few months? Is that two months, three months, four months, whatever? But it is saying what often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. This whole page is talking about the process of becoming recovered. And so that said, I want to ask you to turn with me to page 84, which talks about our our tenth step, which incorporates the fourth step. It says in the middle of the page, 84, this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. This is incorporating step four. And then it goes on to say we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past, which would tell me that I will be continuing to clean up the past. So I say all of this because I know for myself my own perfectionism, my own desire to do this thing perfectly right so that I don't make a mistake and don't end up not in the land of recovered, which was my my dream come true. I just would say over and over we see these words, begun, commenced, again begun in this paragraph. Are they maybe telling us, don't belabor this, be thorough. But don't belabor it because understand we're going to continue doing step four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine as we live in step 10, 11, and 12. Thanks for letting me share, Monica. That I I pass.
0: Thank you, Sally. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph?
8: Lisa? Lisa, uh, go ahead.
0: Should... Excuse me, I heard Lisa and then someone else. Catalina. Hmm, Helena, and there was someone else, I think.
9: Kathy? Yes. Okay.
0: Lisa, Helena, and Kathy. Go ahead, Lisa.
8: Thank you. Hi, this is Lisa from Colorado. I love this paragraph. I feel like this is uh, right where I'm at because I haven't begun to really comprehend the destructiveness of my resentments. And having done uh, the process and made my amends, And I'm still trying to live in 10 and 11 and 12. It's just I have to clean house every day because those resentments, they creep up. And they are, you know, resentments are just where that blocks me from God. And it's not until I do that 10th step, which is like a mini four step, and also doing the turnarounds, the fear and the resentment turnarounds, where I can really see where before my mind just makes up things, well, if they would just change, I would be happy. If if they would just take their inventory and, and see you know, where they're wrong, I would be happy. But it's really getting down to the nuts and bolts and the core patterns and beliefs of who Lisa is that I am able to really change. And so I have to do the writing every day, and, I, and I'm trying to send off my 10-step every day to my food sponsor because it's only in, in the writing it out that I can really see it, and then I can see where I need to make the amends so I can have that spiritual lens that is really clean and clear before God. So I can't be of service to God unless that lens is really clean and clear. And this is a live second to none because as I write it out and see the resentments and whom I'm harming, what is the spiritual energy that I'm sending out there because that which I send out is, is going to come back to me. So if I'm sending out a lot of resentment, hatred, and anger, and I heard on this meeting that um, I, uh, hatred and um, love cannot live on the same spiritual plane. I'm either in one or the other. And if I'm in resentment, I'm sending out a, de- a definite negative energy. So today it's my responsibility to keep my house clean. And um, I'm doing major remodeling in my my house, um, getting new floors and all that. And I think it's a direct result of this work because I used to have a basement that was full of crap. Today my basement is more or less uh, organized with the help of my husband and my daughter. And um, as I clean house literally, my spiritual house, my earthly house is changing and my soul is changing because that inner terrain really reflects my relationships out there and who I am in every minute, every day. And, and those resentments from the past, they will keep coming up. And that's why doing the resentment turnarounds, brings up the froth and the uh, jetsam and all the stuff that I need to look at from the past. And it's in, I Ginger Rogers said out there, she said, life is full of circles. And so if I'm being triggered by something today, it's usually something from my past that hasn't been resolved that I need to look at and see what I'm, what God, you know, what it's like an archeo- archaeological dig. What is it that God wants me to look at today? What are the artifacts from the past that have not been resolved or that I need to spiritually look at and, and um, clean those, ar- those uh, archaeological relics up and then give them to God? And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Lisa. Helena, go ahead, please.
10: Good morning, Helena in uh, South Jersey. Um, I'm really struck by how much work has already been done and yet how we've only begun And even further along, on page 84 in step 10, we've gotten all the way to step 10, and it tells us again that we are just starting. And when we get to working with others in uh, step 12, it's telling us that we are just beginning. And if we read even further to employers and to wives how many mistakes and how foolish these alcoholics, that is myself, will be, um, nonetheless, There is such a beginning, and this beginning is so wonderful, and the hard work that has to have been done by now, we will already be seeing results. Um, What I love is that it says we look at even our enemies, everyone, as sick people. And when I go back a little further, it says they like ourselves. I'm not looking at someone as a sick person from any superiority. I'm looking at them. They are as sick as I am. So, the humility is so important. It's not that here I am getting so perfect and yet people around me, I have to look at them cheerfully with tolerance and patience. No, I look at them with tolerance and patience because I recognize that I am just as sick and that they are just as sick and that we're all in this together. That's all I want to say. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Helena. Kathy, your turn. Go ahead.
11: Hi, this is Kathy, a compulsive overeater from South Jersey and uh, i wanted to speak on the um, like seeing other people as sick people i had a profound experience like 30 years ago i lived in italy and um, i lived with a woman she was in her 50s then and she had been abandoned by her husband and um, who ran away with a much younger woman and we were talking about her past because I didn't know much about her. And she spoke about her husband as a povera creatura, which means poor thing or creature, because she saw him as lost and sad for him. And I was marveled at how she could look at that, because I know there was a tremendous amount of hurt in her life because of it. And she looked at me and she told me how grateful she was for the years that her and her husband were together because they were in so much in love and, you know, everything they had shared and all the wonder of their marriage. And, um, I mean, I see that as so spiritually evolved. And this is what the program is trying to bring us to, that, you know, to to really see another person with compassion and love, how we would want to be seen, you know, that we're sick, we're human, we're frail. And uh, and to be able to look upon the past with such gratitude, even though parts of it may have held, you know, extreme hurt. So I always look to that as a, as an example, and I just wanted to share that. Thank you. I pass.
0: Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph?
12: It's Leia. Leah, go ahead, please. Hi, Monica. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. If we have been thorough about our personal inventory, we have written down a lot. Yeah, I'm going to use this four-step inventory uh, through my process. You know, it's going to list what wrongs I've done to others. It's going to list my defects of character. It's going to list what my shortcomings are. It's going to list what problems with other people I'm going to rectify when I get to step eight and nine. So, yes, I've written down a lot. Um, I've emptied my mind on this piece of paper in a thorough but quick manner. Why do I need to do it quickly? Well, because... Uh, every day that I procrastinate, it's another day where I'm marinating in restlessness, irritability, and discontentment. It's another day where I'm, you know, uh, bathing in the remorse and, and guilt and resentment of the past. And my mind can only take that for so long. It's like a ticking time bomb waiting to go off. You know, at some point, uh, I'm going to start to seek want to seek the ease and comfort that's found in those bags and boxes. So that's why we do this quickly and thoroughly. Uh, we have listed and analyzed our resentments. We have begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. Again, this is the first action step. And, you know, when I sat down with a recovered sponsor and and took a look in black and white at what was on these uh sheets of paper, began to see, you know, the real truth for the first time, what kind of personality and what kind of patterns had developed through my years of living a life run on self-will run riot. You know, there were decisions and attitudes and emotions that had, you know, um, been conceived as a young child and I was still living my life based on those conceptions my life based still on those core belief systems and it was it was um killing me at this point you know perhaps they they began uh to grow out of survival mechanisms but now it was two decades later and those types of uh conceptions and attitudes and beliefs were not working for me in fact i was self-destructing by my own fist You know, I thought I was a pretty good person. Things were going pretty well. It's just that I, you know, was depressed, I isolated, and I had suicidal thinking. You know, but because of this first uh, action step, I began to see that because of those character defects of mine and the self-centeredness, it had always placed me in a position to be hurt, um, and it had contributed to my failure at life. I was a failure at living. I had created a whole universe centered around me and what I expected out of life, and I was darn mad that things were not going my way, and boy, was I going to eat over that. And although I first crawled into my first OA meeting at age 19 thinking my problem was food and weight, it began to be very clear to me once I began this process that these instincts had gone astray and had been the primary cause of my compulsive overeating and my failure at life i was failing life i mean that's what the big book talks about right putting aside the quick the drink question we had to look at why living was unsatisfactory i was a failure at life and unless i was willing to work hard at the elimination of the worst of these defects the food sobriety that I so desired and the peace of mind that was necessary for someone like me was going to elude me. It was going to be precarious and unstable. So this faulty foundation that I had built my life upon had to be torn out and built anew on bedrock. And that's what this process is all about. And I began to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill towards all men, even my enemies, for we look on them as sick people. I was beginning to have a new perspective on things, beginning. It was the beginning. I was beginning to see that those people that I had resentments against weren't filling their spiritual potential just like I wasn't fulfilling my spiritual potential. I began to look at them as less of a human being um, because they weren't fulfilling their human potential and that that was a tragedy just like it was a tragedy that I was unable to fulfill my spiritual potential the way I was living. You know, I love that word. It says, uh, "For we look on them as sick people." My vi- my vision began to change. My vision. It was the only. It was the only. The beginning, because it's the first action step. But when it says on page eighty five. Every day is a day when we, on 85, every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. Step four was the beginning of a new vision. We've all heard new pair of glasses. Step four was the beginning of putting on a new pair of glasses and looking at it from a different angle. And boy, was that the beginning of freedom to start to look and walk through that archway A new vision, God's vision, not Leia's limited vision, a new vision, God's vision for me. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Leia. And all I can say is ditto, ditto, ditto. And let's move on to the next paragraph, please. And, Hoodie, could you read the next paragraph so we can finish the chapter? And
9: I'm sorry, I heard somebody.
0: Okay, Hoodie, let's go ahead and finish the chapter, please.
9: Hi, good morning, Monica. This is Hoodie, a cover compulsive overeater. I'm grateful to be on the line this morning. In this book, you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self will has blocked you off from Him. If you have already made a decision, an inventory of your grosser hand- handicaps, you have made a good beginning. That being so, you have swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. And we're um, closing in on this chapter, of uh, chapter 5, how it works with, um, you know, finishing up the the step 4 inventory. And that decision that I made was in step 3 to go on and making an inventory of my gross handicaps, looking at my, at my side, cleaning up my side of the street. And I just like where it says in Step 11, um, in the A 12 and 12 on page 98, it says that there is a direct linkage among self-examination, reviewing my behavior so that I could work towards correcting my mistakes, meditation, and prayer. And when they are logically related, interwoven, the results are an untakeable foundation for life. And further down it says, that our self-searching is the means by which we bring new vision, action, and grace to bear upon the dark and negative sides of our nature. And um, I put this in because this is the willingness. I had the willingness to put down my um, what was blocking me off from God, so that I could, um, so I could feel better about myself, learn about um, those behaviors that that led me to this disease, this, um, and, um, and this, and to figure, and to learn that only God could fix me. And, um, I started, and it really only started with a small, tiny beginning with a willingness of wanting to change, of wanting to to do something different. So I had to get honest and, um, ask God in prayer and in meditation, listening for the help in the garden and lean on him because he's the one that made me the way I am and um, changed me. And um, with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Hoodie.
0: Would anyone Hi, have a Hi, this to is there? Sheila.
9: Hiya.
13: Okay. Sheila.
9: Sheila. Hiya. Sheila.
0: And then, Hiya. Go ahead, Sheila. Thank Sheila. you. Good morning,
13: <laughs> Vision for You. <laughs> this has been extremely helpful to me. I thank all the recovered and everyone who's come come onto the line and helped give good orderly direction as I do my fourth step. You know what is clearly to me. Um, I thank the person who tied in page eighty-four. I'm not sure who that was, but she talked about the fourth and the tenth step and what we're continually doing. Do because part of the time taking so long to finish it. It like this is the only time I'm going to do it, and I got to think of every single person in the world who ever did or said anything. Otherwise, not done perfectly. And part of the defects I have is perfection. Um, it's amazing as I do with my force that some of these people have already passed. They're not even here. And yet, they still have such a prevalence in my day to day life. Like I'm giving them time and space and anxieties, and they're not even here anymore on earth. And that was something that struck me um, that we can't do this alone, you know. Um, I think part of my insanity was wanting to control the past let to be something that it wasn't. And when I realized I couldn't do anything about the past, the anxiety, the restlessness, and irritability was quiet with the, the food of my choice at the time. And it's all about control, control and fear. You know, some of the people that hurt me. I've hurt people, too. Um, not perfect. And words or actions, I've hurt people, too. So the same kind of an understanding that I would want for myself I'm now seeing that these people, sick or healthy, needed to stay, you know. It's been a really good experience and eye-opening and spiritual journey for me as I do my fourth step again to kind of look at it. It's just amazing um, how much I've blocked myself and cut myself off from life, from holding on to stuff that just doesn't matter today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you again for your service. Thank
0: you, Sheila. Hiya. Go ahead. Hi everybody. This is Hiya, recovered
14: compulsive eater and bulimic in Dallas, Texas. Thank you, Monica, and welcome to anyone who's new. We're on step four. Um, which, if you're new, there's a step, you know a few steps before here. So uh, hold on tight. Um, I couldn't unmute during the end of the discussion about the last part of the inventory, um, but. Um, grateful for the discussion. I'm glad it was in a little bit more generalities today. Um, I'm happy about that personally. And um, in terms of where we are right now, you know, people have um, spoken about the fact that we're at the, you know, begin, we've begun, we've begun. And this paragraph that Hoodie just read, you know, it said we made a decision. That was step three after understanding the step one, you know, the doctor's opinion and more about alcoholism, understanding the disease. And then coming to believe that only a power greater than a human could restore me to sanity. And that's step two. And then I make that decision in step three. And the decision was to carry on with the rest of the steps. So I made that decision and i be, I started to take inventory in this process and I am too grateful for the timely fashion, which, with, with which I was directed and with which I, I share with the people that I take through the steps. Um, I'm watching his, um, fruit, of that uh, labor because when I got here, as, as Leia said, you know, one of the first things I heard um, after being in a thin body in OA for many, many years and had worked the steps and had been in the book prior and, and got out, just got out of the book from the way, I don't know, just was not in the book and um, was that I was in a race against time to get to that 10th step. Um, and, uh, because that, you know, that restless, irritable, and discontentedness was killing me. And I'm so grateful that it was, it was done in a timely fashion, but it says, you know, we've, we've made this decision, we've made this inventory. Um, and here's the thing that I love, the sentence that says, you know, we will see again and again, that God, that faith has done what we couldn't do for ourselves. Faith is the faith in action is doing these steps and doing the four step. And we're going to continue on. i um, like jumping up and down for step five. Um, you know, this is where it gets cast out. We're going to read on, on Monday. And, um, you know, it's just an unbelievable process of, you know, I call it spiritual surgery. And this is the prep. This is my part. This is the stuff that I have to do to prepare for the surgery, show up, get my blood drawn, get the vitals taken, you know, do all the all pre-op, and we're gonna get to step five, which is still more pre-op, and then six and seven, where well, actually five is also part of a part of the surgery, and six and seven, which is the spiritual surgery, where God can work on me. Um, but just to end, uh, I, I just want to share a funny thing, just to lighten things up a little bit, um, that uh, I once heard such a funny story. Uh, um, a sponsor once told me that. They were. Uh, they heard a story about a, a guy who was having just a really hard time um, staying sober. He was getting involved in relationships, and he couldn't understand why, you know, he couldn't keep a girlfriend. And, and the sponsor said, turn to page 69 in the big book, because that's where it talks about sex, right? And... Either he was dyslexic or he wasn't listening or he just transposed the numbers, but he opened up instead to page 96. So after the meeting, if anybody wants to have a little chuckle, um, read page 96 with the understanding that The the sponsor was trying to show him, you know, what the big book has to say about our relationships with people in terms of our um, uh, romantic relationships, and instead he was reading page 96, and it's kind of a funny thing. Um, Anyway, welcome to anyone who's new. So grateful to be recovered today. I never, ever, ever understood those promises, and I do today. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Haya. We have come to the end of our time for today, and thank you to everyone who has shared And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Melanie, can you read a vision for you, please? I can. Good morning, everyone.
15: My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater here in Oregon. And this is a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little.